When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Second Opinion with me, Dr. Christian. This is the half hour's doctor appointment that solves all your problems, teaches you all you need to know. Well, perhaps that's what I'm planning. It might be wishful thinking. Um, before we crack on, I am legally obliged to tell you that if you feel unwell at any point, you should always seek medical help rather than carrying on listening to this brilliant podcast, either by using the NHS 111 helpline, consulting your GP or visiting your nearest hospital. Joining me as always is my friend and journalist, Alex Stanger. She's here to keep me um, on the straight and narrow and stop me getting sued. I Alex, will try. I will try, Christine. I'm also joined by two very, very special important people. One is my dearest, closest, most beloved friend, the extraordinary actress Finty Williams. Finty, how are you? I'm good. I like being described as your dearest, closest friend. You are, my love. You are. And, and also someone called John McEwen. Now, John, you are an addictions uh, therapist. Yes. What, what do you call yourself? Tell me. Yeah, I, therapist generally, addictions therapist, um, psychotherapist. I'm also an addictions counsellor, so I get the mix. But for short term, it's just addictions therapist. So today's subject is addictions. I think addictions of all sorts, but particularly addictions to drugs and alcohol. Alcohol is a drug. And Finty's very kindly joined me because uh, you are prepared to talk about your struggles with alcohol, aren't you? Yes, I am. Will you... First of all, start by just telling me a little bit about that. Uh, yes, I didn't drink particularly when I was younger. Uh, certainly didn't drink before I was 18. Went to drama school um, and had a sort of inverted light bulb moment where I suddenly thought that uh, nothing that I could do or say or how I looked was ever going to be good enough. And... The way I got through thinking that I was very boring and very unsparkly was by being the first person in the bar, being the person who bought the drinks for everyone. Because at that point in my mind, I was like, well, if they're already drunk, then they won't notice that I'm really, really boring and short and round and don't look like a dancer and all of those things. Um was that to do with it? Was it body image? Were you surrounded by... I was surrounded by very beautiful people. You thought? No, they are very beautiful people. They still are very beautiful people. Um, yes, it, it, it was more just these are extraordinary people who are all really talented and really funny and really clever. And I don't belong here. And I'm none of the above. Where had that insecurity come from, do you think? I have no idea. 
I wasn't brought up like that. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't particularly bad at school academically. I got on with it. I was never one of the cool kids. Uh-huh. You know, I was never the girl who wore the black mini skirt with the cowboy boots, and I, I was in a pleated were, skirt were with a jumper <laughs> with a penguin on the front. You know, <laughs> and a pair of yeah. Clark's shoes. But so I was never one of the cool kids. Mm. But I was never. I never worried about it too much. And then I got to drum school, and it was like, oh, okay, these are really cool people, and I'm not cool, and I don't know how to get past that. And alcohol made you cool. In, in your head? Uh, no, it probably didn't make me cool at all. It probably made me into a complete nightmare. <laughs> but uh, b- but it took the fear away. And, and it made me feel less conscious of being boring. How did it then get out of hand? Uh, really, after my father died, uh, it... it uh, it was not good before that, but it was really after my father died that it just all went horribly wrong. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, yeah, it, my mother very bravely put me into rehab two weeks after my father died because I was n- no use to anybody at all. Did you want to go? No. Did you know that you had problems sort of thing or... Uh, was it all a bit surreal? And I think it was very surreal and scary, very scary, um, but necessary, very necessary. Did you hate everyone at the time? Did you push no. them away? Did you? No, you didn't. No, I didn't hate everybody at all. I didn't like myself much, but then I hadn't liked myself for a long time. Um, I don't think. I, I think that that's something that I feel very strongly about. Um, you you see various programs on the television a lot of which i think are amazing and great but there is a certain amount of blame put on addicts for their behavior and whilst i absolutely 100% take responsibility for the chaos that you cause and the shameful things you do and the choices that you make I do believe that those are 100% you have to own those. But the fact is nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm going to do something that, okay, I used to drink wine a lot. I don't really like the taste of wine. I don't like it. Mm. So nobody wakes up in the morning and goes, I'm going to do this thing which I know is really bad for me and I don't particularly enjoy just to cause a whole lot of crap around me. Mm. That there is a baseline to all of that, mm. and John will will understand it a lot more than me. But you know, the people that I've met who have suffered from the same thing as me tend to be very sensitive, very scared, very frightened, mm. um, very funny, brilliant people. But it's almost like. It's like having a piece of tissue paper that covers your entire body that goes, whatever is inside isn't good enough. And you mustn't, you mustn't let anybody see that. Does that make any sense? Mm. It, it, it does. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. The, yeah. the sensitive artist, and I know we're generalising here, but it, 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 I don't think it's a coincidence that a lot of sort of very sensitive, very brilliant artists happen also to fall 
into the use of substances, be they drugs or alcohol and things. And I, I always use the Ishiguro book title, The Unbearable Lightness of Being. Living is just too much and you need something to sort of numb and quieten it all down. John, so how did you meet Fenty? At what stage did you meet Fenty? Well, I got a call um, and was asked would I help Finty with where she was at at the time. Where was she at? And um, as she described, she was in quite a dark place, really, mm. quite lost, very lonely and stuck. The lonely bit. I, mm. I, I find sort of, we'll say addicts for the sake of a better word, are often sort of isolated or mm. they either isolate themselves or they are isolated by friends and family because they just don't know what to do. Yes. Is that a common thing? It's very common. It doesn't always start off like that because, as Finn said, you, you can often be the, the centre of attention. You know, you can be the, the live one, you can be the entertainer. Um, but, of course, people tend to get fed up with that after a while. Generally, I'm talking now. So you become the centre of attention because you feel less than. But sooner or later, the dancing on the table, you know, in itself becomes boring or, or predictable and often, you know, leads to painful situations, um, you know, such as, well, it could be alcohol poisoning, it could be falling off the table, it could yeah. be ending up in the wrong place at the wrong time. So there are many different consequences to that particular behaviour. Is it one of those situations where they have to want to be fixed? Or is it just, if they don't want to go into rehab, mm. it, it, will it work? Will it work for them? Well, contrary to what people believe, mm. that you have to volunteer to go into rehab in order to get a good result isn't necessarily the case. Most people are coerced into treatment, you know, and that could be down to a number of uh, consequences. Um, and I remember when I was training many years ago, I read this research from America that said for those who were forced into treatment, the outcomes were just as good as those who weren't. So when people enter treatment, generally they're pretty bashed up. They're, they their health is obviously deteriorated. Uh, the families don't want to know about them. They've often come out of relationships. Sometimes there are legal consequences to their behaviours. So they're pretty bashed up for those first few days. Do they want to be there? Very rarely they want to be there. Um, and often find ways of getting out of there, you know, um, whether it's because they miss their loved ones or because they've got to get home for a job or wherever it might be. So it's a very difficult time. The first week or two in treatment... It's a very difficult period of time to, to come to terms with why you're there. And if you're concerned about a family member or someone close to you, um, what can you do in this situation? I mean, you can't frog march someone down to a treatment centre, can you? Or can you? I mean, what would your advice be to people who are concerned about a relative or a friend? Well, I think it's really important that you intervene. And I, I talk to a lot of families about this and it's really important that you don't just sit by and think, oh, they, this is just a phase, they'll get through this, they'll be all right, um, you know. Because, of course, it's shameful for the family as well, shameful for the person, like Fint described, to come to terms with being brave enough to ask for help. But the family are in denial. Family don't really want to accept that there's an alcoholic in their family or an addict in their family. Why? Because it's embarrassing? Because it's stigmatised? It's stigmatised, it's embarrassing, it's hard work. And, and sadly, we're still, you know, in the dark ages, I feel, on, in this subject. 
It's great we're doing this today. Because, with knowledge or yeah. with just talking about it? Well, I, I think we, we need to keep talking about it. I think we need more research in terms of what addiction is. Um, and, and um, yeah, I think we just need to keep the dialogue live. And, again, people like Finzi coming forward and being brave enough to say, this is my story is really going to help a lot of people, I think. Massively so, yeah. Because I suppose in society, I mean, we look at, say, heroin, bad, little glass of wine, that's okay, you know, with with dinner or whatever. So this is kind of where we are at. It's a We live in a pub culture. Yeah. We go out and we have dinner. You expect to have a bottle of wine on the table. And this is, that's, breaking that down is very difficult oh, yes. for people and people around you to deal with as well. Absolutely. I, I have had a comment in the past three months from somebody who I was having dinner with, not somebody I knew, who it was a very boozy evening. And he looked at me and he said, what's with all this Diet Coke? You're an alcoholic or something like that. And I went, yes, I am. And he went, oh, God, that's boring. Oh, oh, oh. No, I'm not boring. I, I probably am a bit, <laughs> but I boring, tell you something, I was a lot more boring <laughs> when I was drinking, mm. a lot more boring. And now I can kind of go, that's that's extremely hurtful, uh, but that comes from a place of absolute ignorance. There are plenty of reasons why people don't drink. It could be religion, could be they're pregnant, could be they're on medication, whatever. But why should it be, oh, yes, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, well, that's boring. Why should we think like that? That's a terrible thing to say. Mm. But we live in a culture where you you have a bad day at work, you have a drink. You have a good day at work, you have a drink. Uh, a baby's born, you have a drink. Um, oh, you're at a funeral, somebody's dead, uh, so you have a drink. Um, or it's just Sunday. You know, that I, mm. I, I've always had a quote that I have long loved, and then I spoke to you, and now I don't like it anymore. Um, which is a good thing, actually. It was It's by Lily Bollinger of the Bollinger Champagne fame, and I think she used it as a bit of a advertising slogan, and you can see a sort of Edith Piaf-type character saying this. And she wrote, I quote, she said, I drink champagne when I'm happy and when I'm sad. Sometimes I drink it when I'm alone. When I have company, I consider it obligatory. I trifle with it if I'm not hungry and drink it when I am. Otherwise, I never touch it unless I'm thirsty. That takes on actually a slightly sinister and all too prophetic sort of undertone, doesn't it? But she comes from a family where maybe drinking was much less a thing that you did when you were 18. We were talking yesterday about you see 18th birthday cards and they all have pints on them or bottles of champagne yeah. or now is your time to go out and dance on tables. Yeah. You know, uh, maybe she was brought up from tiny understanding about alcohol and its place and listen I'm not one to stand on ceremony at all I'm never happier than when I'm at a dinner party and everybody's on their 18th bottle of wine I genuinely am never happier because I can see that people around me are having fun and they're not affected in the same way that I am but you think they're not (laughs) but so I'm not you know I would never ever go against what Lily Bollinger said. <laughs> well, I think you you can because you are the voice of experience. But John, I mean that that is something, isn't it? Eighteenth birthday and you've got children that mm. you know it is, it's all geared up to it's almost like yay, now you can drink. That's the big yeah, event. Do yeah. you think that's an issue we ought to I, I think deal we're with? really up against it. I, I mean I think without overreacting, I, I was invited along recently to the Lancet 
committee, mm-hmm. um, and there, there's going to be some. The Lancet's a, a, a dry academic medical paper yes. that publish all the sort of top studies. I should say they, they're now trying to get across is the reality of what alcohol does to our communities, and um, you know, the, if you flip to the World Health Organization and their activities now, and they're even talking about making moves to safeguard children. So children don't grow up where alcohol is being consumed. That's the family home. Now, some people are going to go, what? That's outrageous. What, nanny state, too much Nanny state, pointing the finger. But if you see the research that's coming out, and if you look at a worldwide, uh, uh, whatever you want to call it, condition, it's the biggest killer now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because there have been two sort of lines of thought, haven't there? Do I bring my kids up where alcohol is just a normal background, have a little watered-down wine, it's nothing special, Mm -hmm. therefore at 18 you don't go crazy? Or do I keep them completely away from it. And, I mean, part of me thinks that's not the right thing to do because then they go off to school or university, discover it, and Mm -hmm. I think there will be other factors that then come into play. But Mm -hmm. should you be a sort of person who is vulnerable to that, will then go completely off the rails, possibly. What what are your thoughts on that? Well, I I think, again, this is where we don't really have the answer because there are different types of drinkers and, and there are clearly those who have what some people describe as the ism, alcoholism, mm. and there are some who clearly don't. And I, I try and break it into three or four categories. People who drink and it's never a problem, they stick within the 14 units and, you know, they never have any consequences at all. Um, then there are people who probably drink a little too much over the f- suggested 14 units and they, they stop when they have a bad night for a while. That's us middle-class 40-year-old white people, I'm yeah. told. Is that well, right? Well, well, we're, no, you're worse now. Oh, thanks. You've gone into, <laughs> you, you've gone into a different category because oh, the research right. that's coming out yeah. from the leading hepatologists, Dr. Oh. Professor Williams, who you may have heard of, 
there's a 25% of generally white, but, but even if we don't so take the colour into it, but middle-class drinkers who drink way over the suggested limits and their risk of um, contracting some sort of liver disease or some alcohol-related cancer has gone through the roof because obviously no one's paying attention to this 14 units. And I was saying earlier on that that there are now there's no safe limit for women. So even one to two, three, four, five units a week is putting you slightly at risk. And so talk about nanny state, people are going to re react really badly to this stuff. But haven't we got to face it because of, look what it does. Look what it does at weekends. Look how much it costs the NHS. Look at the prison system. It's full of people with drug and alcohol problems. So, I mean, I'm sorry to kind of be a bit of a, a killjoy here, but um, I think we've got to really look at that, the subject. Can I ask you a Completely different. Yes, you Do can. Do you drink? No, I don't. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I feel bad now. Did you yeah. drink? I drank. I drank. What what uh, stopped you? What changed you? I couldn't drink properly. I was I stopped when I was 20. I actually stopped the week before my 21st birthday. And um I drank when I drank. I've got the I would say I've probably got this ism thing. I've got the addictive personality. Okay. So if I drank, I I drank and generally got drunk. I wasn't much fun to be around and um so that sort of for me, it was something that I had to kind of change. And luckily, I got some support, got some help. And I thought, right, you know. Is that sort of what then made you decide to go? It is. It's why I came into this profession. Really? Yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't sort of plan it from that point of view. But from that perspective at the time, it's something that happened a bit later on in my life. Can I also ask, I mean, we're talking a lot about alcohol here. And I think I know the answer to this anyway. But if we look at the wider... Um, case if we look at drugs if we look at alcohol if we look at all the things that we can get addicted to what would you say is the worst on the league table alcohol it is always alcohol isn't it, it yeah well i mean again finn touched on this they talk about cannabis these days in terms of legalization and some people say it's a gateway drug alcohol is the biggest gateway drug mm. if you think about it it opens the door to everything it, it opens the door to other drugs. It opens the door to, you know, finding ourselves in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, people sadly commit crime when they're drunk. They beat their partners up. They, you know, all sorts of things can happen. So, so um, and that is the thing it, that really it, boils my piss. And I will yeah. use that expression with vim and vigor. It boils my piss. Is 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 the hypocrisy and the inconsistency with the laws? Whatever you may think, whether things yeah. should be regulated and legalized. But you can't, you know, bang on about cannabis and just almost encourage alcohol, which no, is what the government essentially do. It, it's yeah. ludicrous. It, it doesn't. It ignores all the common sense, all the science, all the evidence. David Nutt, Professor David yeah. Nutt, who is one of my great heroes, who's a he's a he's a um, psychopharmacologist. He he basically has an organization re researches drugs, um, a place called Drug Science, and he every year publishes his sort of top ten. Drugs in order of worstness. Is that a real word? I don't think it's a word, but it is now. Today, worstness. Yeah. And I think number one nearly always is alcohol on his list. Well, they say it should be reclassified as a class A substance mm. because of the harm it does, which is one of the things how they measure these drugs is, is, is the harm to 
to our physiology, our bodies, and society. And I think he, he himself would say that. I think he said it, in fact, that it should be a Class A substance. So I've got a quick question for the both of you. This is a really difficult question. I appreciate this. But if you had some words of advice for someone who may be struggling or is worried about somebody with drugs or alcohol, Finn, what would, what would your couple or one piece of advice be to them? From the point of view as an addict? Yeah. Uh, I would, instead of trying to hide the thing that you're most ashamed and frightened about, which is the fact that you are out of control over a certain substance or alcohol or whatever it is, find one person who you can confide in, talk to and be honest with. Just one. And it needn't be the closest person to you because so often the reasons we do it are things that would hurt the closest people to us. Um, and, and, and try and find a therapist who speaks a language that you understand and John was that person for me he he spoke in a way that I understood and he he saved my life I've said it on more than one occasion um and but but you don't always find that person the first time mm. you have to maybe go through a few people but but just even if it's just with one person keep being honest, tell them when you're scared, tell them when you're frightened, mm. tell them when you feel so upset that you don't want to put your head out from underneath the duvet. Mm. Just say it. Can I just ask you, Finty, how did John actually help you? Can you just, like, on a really basic way, can you just tell me how he helped you? Because he's, <laughs> he's the best person in the world. Um, but for, for exactly what, it, suddenly it was somebody talking about what I was feeling in a way that absolutely resonated with something inside me. Um, and not particularly from his own point of view, but but could speak about it in a way that absolutely made sense. He also recommended that I went to what was at the time the leading dual diagnosis centre in the world, rehab centre. Can you explain what, what's dual diagnosis? Sorry. So I might get this wrong and John might have to correct me. But I think it's a, a rehab centre that not only treats the condition, mm -hmm. but hand in hand with treating the condition, will find out where the the root of the problem first came from. Um, and they will do everything within their power to to get to the to the cause of what it is. Mine came from going to a dream seminar one afternoon. And I was like, well, I've got nothing on, so I'll go to this. And I spoke about a recurring nightmare I'd had since I was four. And they were all like, oh, OK, OK, this is where all this comes from. But it was, it's in the middle of the desert in Arizona. It's the most extraordinarily, insanely spiritual and good place I've ever been, uh, filled with the most extraordinary therapists and counsellors um, that I've ever had the pleasure of coming across. And I do mean that. I think I think I was very privileged to meet those people. Um, and and that was thanks to John. But he's also now, he's my friend. He's the person that I turn to if friends of mine are in pain or in trouble or I turn to John to say, what do I do now? Because I don't know. I can only give advice on what my hurt is. Um, 
and he's he's just an extraordinary human being. So, so without picking you, you up in any <laughs> way, or, or, yeah, or, or don't now yeah. raising us to the level of a crescendo that's <laughs> almost deafening, yeah. what would your sort of nugget of advice be to people who who I hope are listening and may be struggling? Yeah, reach out, reach out, like Finty said, to somebody ideally who isn't going to judge you, who isn't going to say, "Don't be stupid," you know, "Let's go and have a drink." Um, because there are a lot of people who feel they have to behave like that. So I think somebody who's going to take you seriously, um, I think try your GP. I, I, I know people get a mixed review from their GPs. Sometimes they're fortunate to get a GP who really understands it, the condition, addiction, and, and some that don't, unfortunately. So like Finty said, again, if, if you find that somebody doesn't, don't give up because that can happen, you know. Oh, I tried one person and they told me I just to put myself together or whatever it is. So I gave up, you know, and 10 years later, I then went back, you know, so don't give up. Ask, you know, ask somebody, whether it's family, a friend, and yeah, it could be a therapist, you mm. know, reach out, don't be ashamed. Mm. And I think the reason we connected so well was was not as much as I'd love to take so much credit, is more about just that human level of, you know what, you're going to be okay mm. because this is a condition. And I think when you're in the madness, you don't think it's a condition. You think it's you. You think you're bad. You know, you don't think you can do anything that's going to help. And I think just that human contact of hearing somebody say, you know what, you'll be all right. It might take a little bit of work. <laughs> you may have to go to one of these funny places. That aren't so funny, of course, but, um, and, and, but you will get better. There's a good chance you'll get better. Um, can I just ask, because y you touched on it just before, um, about you finding John and that was a light bulb moment. And was it a case of you tried before and then eventually when you did find John, that was the connection that made yeah. the difference? Absolutely. 100%. I, I met many great therapists who I'm sure and absolutely certain have helped a huge amount of people. But for whatever reason, like like when you just meet somebody and you feel an instant connection to them or you, by the same token, feel an instant sort of, oh, I'm not sure if I can trust this person or it's exactly the same as that. It's just about it's about finding somebody who you feel brave enough to go, I absolutely hate myself and I'm scared. And and just if you take it as a normal demographic how many of our really good friends do you think you could say that to if push came to shove? You know. And also, I just want to say one thing about about when when you take, when you get into recovery, however you do it and however you deal with it. The biggest life lesson for me has been that the fear, the the, the fear that started it all off in the beginning doesn't ever go away. It becomes a quieter voice in your head and you learn how to deal with it in different ways. But there's a great saying, isn't it? It's life on life's terms. And I've always said, okay, life, throw what you can at me because I now see it as a challenge to get through it without having a drink. But to think that just because you take the substance away that the fear gets any less the fear of the substance becomes less but but just but just that thing of going it's okay to be scared it's okay to not feel as good as the next person whereas before it's unacceptable to to be those things or feel those things 
but to still be able to talk about it to, you know, just as soon as you get into recovery to go, oh, everything's fine. Everything's marvellous. I went through a stage where I wouldn't even tell my mother I had a cold because I was like, she's going to panic. She's going to think that I'm relapsing. But now I realise it's okay to go, do you know what? I'm just really frightened. But it's okay because I'm not going to go out and have a drink or I'm not going to go out and take that drug or I'm not going to do whatever. But it's okay to be that person. You speak beautifully. I mean, really beautifully and movingly. And I think that's absolutely right. I think I think it's also, unfortunately, probably one of the hardest things to do, isn't it, to actually open up and admit to somebody. But it is probably the single most powerful and important step you make. Yeah, I think so. I've told you things about me. I've and never I've, told anyone else. And you've told... And vice versa. Yeah, and that's a powerful connection, actually, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? I feel very, very close to you. I feel quite emotional now. Pull it together, Christian. Come on. I'm giving you this little windy up I know, thing. I'm Do you like it? it. Do you like my windy? I, I, I like this. I I wanna, <laughs> it's my winding up finger. I know. We so could do the dance it. from Greece, actually. <laughs> doing a silent hula here. I want to carry on talking <laughs> this to, to you forever. But I do think we have to um, wrap up, sadly. That's it for Second Opinion. And we have certainly had a powerful Second Opinion. Big thanks to Alex, as always, and to my best beloved guests as um, Rudyard Kipling would say, Finty Williams and John McEwen, who very kindly provided, I mean, incredibly honest, open and insightful uh, views into the world of addiction. Um, don't forget, we want this to be a totally interactive process and a two-way street. So if you do have any questions that you'd like us, probably me, let's be honest, right? Probably me. You can send your emails to surgery at thepodcastworks.com or you can message me on Twitter at Dr. Christian. And I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 